Praise God. Well, we are taking a journey here. It's a saint's life from the rapture on. And uh, I'm teaching in order really to give us some hope and some uh, expectation of really some things that are to come in this glorious future that we have uh, in eternity as a saint of God, as a disciple of God, you know, surrendering our life to Jesus and serving the Lord in the earth, hallelujah, has great reward. That did not get clear near enough shout. It has great reward, and it has great reward, hallelujah, in eternity, which is going to last forever, hallelujah. And so uh, we've been talking about some things that are going on. Uh, we've talked about a little bit on Sunday the glory of heaven and really how really just indescribable it is. It's just, it's just paradise to the utmost, but much of it really indescribable. You know, one glory of heaven that I did not mention on Sunday is the fact that there is going to be no language barrier. Hallelujah. And for me who travels across the world and at times gets in this thing where I'm trying to, I'm just so excited about that. And we don't really know exactly how that's going to work. We don't know in heaven if there's going to be only one heavenly tongue and we're all going to be speaking that or if we're just going to all be able to understand, you know, interpretation of all the national tongues and everything that's going to go on. But I do know that in heaven and really when we come back as the saints of God who are going to rule uh, across the world, um, we're going to be able to communicate perfectly. Hallelujah. And I know all the ladies, all the ladies are like super excited about that, right? Hallelujah. That everybody is going to be communicating perfectly. So that's going to be a wonderful thing. And I, I consider that, I consider that a glory. I consider that a glory of heaven. Praise God that we're all going to be able to just, um, no matter where we're at, no matter where we're from, no matter what nationality, we're all going to be one. And it's just going to be so glorious. Hallelujah. Oh, just the reality of heaven. Touched my heart for a moment. Mm. Praise the Lord. Just close your eyes for a minute. Just close your eyes for a minute. Heaven is so, so real. And it is really so near to us. Even though this side of it, we're not grasping the fullness of it. Heaven is still near in our heart. Hallelujah. And we can't get glimpses of it. And we are to think on it and the realities of it. And the beauty of it and the glory of it. And even at times experience days of heaven upon the earth. Father, I decree that and declare that here at Houston Faith Church that more and more in the coming days, Lord, that we would have days like heaven upon the earth in our lives, everywhere we go, at home, in the car, at work, everywhere, Father, in the assembly, days like heaven in the earth that we would see your glory. Hallelujah. For the coming day approaches, the coming day approaches, Lord, and we are just so excited to be gleaning even more and more about what is ahead. And so right now, in our little trek here, in our journey, we are in heaven, and we talked last Sunday about who all is in heaven. Everybody that's there at this time is what's called the first resurrection. And so I want to talk tonight about some of the events, some of them maybe I should call things 
rather than events that are happening in heaven in the seven years uh, between the rapture of the church out of the earth, the seven-year tribulation, and when Jesus returns in the second advent where he's going to put his foot down in the earth and he's coming back with us, the, the army of the Lord. So let's talk about some of those things. Go ahead with me and uh, turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians. But before we get there, I'm going to get us a little bit of a running start here. And I want to talk about number one and number two of these items kind of in tandem together. But number one that's going to be happening in heaven is there is going to be a presentation before God by Jesus of every saint. Every one of us will be presented to God. We're talking about God Almighty. We're talking about seeing God face to face. We're talking about coming into the very presence of the throne of God, meeting Him face to face, seeing Him, where each saint will be established blameless, glory, in eternal holiness by God. Now, you don't have to turn here with me, but I just want to give this reference. Ephesians chapter 5, 27 said that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, as we're in 1 Thessalonians, let's read this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. And so each one of us is going to uh, receive an unforfeitable eternal life as a harvest of a life that has been sown to the Spirit and in order to fulfill the promise that we have of eternal life in the next life. Now, if you remember on Sunday when I was talking about Brother Jesse Duplantis' account where he was translated to heaven, he said that when he was there, he saw that each saint was on a, a journey or making a trip into the city. You remember that? Um, and so I'm, I'm not sure with this presentation exactly uh, when it's going to happen. It's probably that people that are already, those that are dead in Christ and are already in heaven uh, are, are going as we're talking. I don't think that this is going to wait until we all get there and then at one day we're all going to all start making it. Um, but there does seem to be a presentation and maybe there is some preparation uh, before we're actually presented to God. Uh, you remember that Brother Jesse had said, the different clothing, that some were wearing garments of salvation, some were wearing robes of righteousness. He said that it seems that some were a little bit weaker and it was taking them a longer time to get to the city. He also saw some of the teachers and preachers in heaven uh, that were having classes, hallelujah. And so maybe, maybe some of us, praise the Lord, if we're listening close and we're applying what we're learning, sitting under Pastor Chaz's good, solid, right Bible doctrine, maybe we'll get to skip some of those uh, classes but it does seem that everybody is on a trek there. And uh, maybe that's why it seems that in the earth here, you know, the Bible commands us to keep growing in the knowledge of the Lord, that we're to be learning our Bible. And so I think, think there is some connection here with what we learn here and what we're to know as far as things that are to come. But uh, we have to remember that the Word of God itself never passes away. That's what Matthew chapter 24, 35 says. So, uh, but the, each saint is on a journey into the city so that they can be presented before God. And at that place, number two, is that each saint is declared as a preserved, blameless, and perfected to God in heaven 
Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, and we'll look at that, what this means. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is where uh, each saint is going to be set apart, holy or completely unto the Lord and His eternal will, and made whole, or we could say perfect, in spirit, soul, and body to continually serve God. And we already saw in Revelation 7:15 on Sunday that that's one of the things that it describes as a resurrected saint is that we will be continually serving God. Uh, but this is really important. I want to talk just a little bit about what this means because this is the point uh, when we are made our presentation before God. Something very supernatural, something very holy happens in this moment where it designates us as worthy uh, to receive this special class of what is now a resurrected saint and that qualifies us to be in service to the Lord, to rule and reign as His kings and His priests when we come back into the earth in the millennial reign and beyond. And when the Bible talks about, there's lots of scriptures that prove this out, but when the Bible talks about us being preserved, blameless, it refers to uh, an eternally a portion really where there's not a possibility of forfeiting. So this is very important. There's something that happens in this moment. Maybe it's because we've proved out in the earth that we were going to serve the Lord, love the Lord, remain faithful to the Lord. So now we have proved out and we, we have something that happens on the inside of us in that moment where there is literally no turning back. And this becomes important when we come back in the millennial reign because now we're ruling and reigning and it seems that there is no possibility for our classification to turn away from the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we're going to be made perfect in spirit, soul, and body, which means that we will not sin. We will not have the capacity any longer to sin. So this is a wonderful, a wonderful thing. So let me just remind you, spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit now in the earth, of course, as a born-again believer, our spirit is already made perfect. Hallelujah. But we know that really we are at enmity with the devil and we are at war with our soul, with our own soul and our own flesh. And so our aim in this life is to have our spirit man on the inside of us dominating and ruling. Uh, but in heaven, our spirit will have the preeminence and our spirit will rule and reign and there will be no struggle anymore because our soul will be made perfect. Now right now in the earth, our soul um, is connected to our spirit, but with our soul, we are working it out. Our soul has not been perfected. We are working out our salvation with fear and trembling before God. Our soul still has to be renewed. We have to renew our mind. We have to get ourselves in the right place. We have to submit, try to get our soul up under where our spirit has the ascendancy. But in heaven, our soul will be made perfect. And there will be no more struggle in that area. Then we know now, of course, the body uh, is now natural and we are struggling with a carnal flesh. And our aim is to put it under, church. Come on. Our aim every day is to crucify our flesh. Praise God. But remember, when we went to heaven, we got a glorified body. And in the moment of a glorified body being made perfect, 
All carnal, natural desires and tendencies and things of the flesh fall away. Hallelujah. So in heaven we will be perfect. Glory to God. Now it is possible that at this presentation before God is also where, we're, where we will encounter the judgment seat. It does, it's not really defined about that. And so I'm going to talk more about the judgment seat later. But it's possible that when we're presented to God, then at the same time we, uh, we're judged by Jesus for the things that we'll talk about later. But it could be separate. I'm not really sure. The scriptures are not clear. Let's move on to item number three. Uh, the next thing, one of the things. Now, in me talking about this, I want you to know that these are not... In the Bible, they're not referred to in a timeline. So I'm not referring to them in the order in which they happen. It doesn't say in the Bible how these things exactly when. Some of these things uh, seem to be continual uh, throughout time. But I just need you to know that they're not, they're not chronological here. So number three is that there will be a settlement uh, in heaven, in the heavenly habitation, and in our mansions. Praise the Lord. So uh, there is a, a, a heavenly city of habitation. So let me just run through a couple of scriptures here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. And this is uh, referring to Abraham said, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So we see that Abraham was looking for uh, the heavenly city that was to come. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one that is to come. So there is actually a city. There, there's countryside. There's land. But when we get there, we're going to have to get familiar with heaven. Hallelujah. So, so there will be a settling, there will be a kind of a learning. Remember I talked about in heaven there is a culture. Just like the United States, there's a culture. Just like in New Zealand, there's a culture. Just like in Australia, there's a culture. And their culture ain't the same as ours, I want you all to know. We love the Aussies, but their culture ain't the same as ours, praise God. And so in heaven there is a culture and it seems that we will be learning some of the culture being settled in. We know there's the atmosphere is peace and joy and all that good stuff. But it says in Revelation chapter 3, turn with me there, in verse 12. Revelation 3 verse 12, Jesus speaking here. It said, he who overcomes, that means him who goes in the rapture, him who makes it to heaven... I will give him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. Hallelujah. That means once we get there, we're heaven bound because we really bring heaven back with us to the earth. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and I will write on him my new name. Praise the Lord. So we will be settling into the city uh, into the, uh, the culture of heaven itself. And then also we all, of course, receive our mansions. Uh, we've mentioned this, that Jesus already said that he goes before us to prepare a place for us, that we're going to have mansions, it says. And uh, I know that on Sunday I talked about Jesse's account. So everyone does have a mansion, and it seems that in our mansion... Uh, is everything we desire. I always found it interesting that when Jesse, who was living in the earth and just transported for a short visit, got to heaven, he actually saw his mansion. 
Even though he was still living in the earth, his mansion in heaven was already being prepared. Glory to God. God has already got you on his mind. He's already watching Jesus. He's filling things up. Hallelujah. He's adding things. He's, ladies, for us, he's probably taking things back out and rearranging things here. And uh, Okay, she used to like this, and now she doesn't like this. Okay, let me, praise the Lord, but Jesus is happy. He's happy to do it. Praise God. I know he is. And uh, Jesse did say he saw all kind of earthly things. And this is one thing that I think people have a misconception is that they think that we're going to get in heaven and there's going to be like nothing of the earth. You have to remember that God's original purpose was to put man in the earth and make it perfect. And so I think in heaven, uh, there's going to be many things. I think even when we come back to the earth, many of the things that uh, all the inventions and the things are going to come together still be here and work toward the purposes and the plans of God. But it's just going to be wonderful that we're going we're to have our, our mansion. It says this in Proverbs 24, 4, and I know it's talking about the reality of what we can have in this life, but I also believe it applies for what is to come. And it says in the word that the Lord will fill our home with pleasant riches and beautiful treasures. Hallelujah. And so in heaven, we're going to have everything that we want. Glory to God. And isn't that just like our Father? Because I know you as an earthly parent. You know, the Bible says if an earthly parent wants something or desires something, how much more our perfect heavenly Father. And so how many of you as a good parent would love to give your child, you know, the best home, a mansion with everything in it? I mean, how you would love to be able to bless your child with that. And so that is what we're going to have in heaven. But it is going to be our dwelling place. Have you ever thought of that? You know, I used to, years ago, I used to hear, you know, when we get into heaven, it's all just about worship. We all just sit around the throne. Anybody ever heard that? We just sit around the throne and we worship, you know, all the time. Well, if we worship all the time, you know, why is it that we need a place to dwell? Why is it that we need them? Seriously, come on, if we're going to be just floating on the clouds and waiting for the, you know, with the harp and waiting for the worship service, why do we need a mansion? Why do we need a place to dwell? Well, let's talk about that. Some of the other things that are happening in heaven, as I want to tell you, is that there will be some sort, I, I say routine, I don't know that it will be uh, like a routine, but there will be what I just call living life. In heaven, we are actually going to be living life. Uh, turn with me to, over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 29 through 30. This is Jesus speaking. And he's referring really to uh, 12 of the 24 elders uh, but he makes a statement about something they're doing. Um, and he says, And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So first of all, uh, we know that in heaven we're going to be eating. We talked about that on Sunday, that there is a tree of life. We know in heaven we're going to be drinking. Uh, there is actually a, a, a river of life that we see there. I believe that the river of life has some other purposes. I know that when Jesse was there, he actually saw children uh, that were playing. Um, and so I believe that we'll be able to take a refreshing, uh, you know, just dive right in and, and it just be refreshing and get right out and not even be wet or anything. Probably it's just so supernatural, but... We'll certainly be eating and drinking, and then we'll be resting. Uh, you know, in the beginning, 
God who is the perfect one and the creator and the one who made us in his image. It said on the seventh day he rested. And it didn't rest because he was tired, but he rested because he had completed some things. And I love that after he completed it and he completed you and me, he looked at it and said, it is good. I love that. So, so when you think of yourself and how God sees you, it is good. Hallelujah. And so, uh, but if we're going to be resting, it seems, at some point and dwelling in our home, it's probably true that we are going to be working, as we talked about, uh, mentioned on Sunday. And so not work, again, of course, under the curse where it's by the laborious sweat of our brow. Uh, but we are going to be working in that we will have things to do. Just like man was originally put in the Garden of Eden and they were given a responsibility. And so heaven is a big place. And I'm sure that a lot of things just work perfectly, but there are still lots of things to do. And so we'll have assignments, we'll have purposes, and we'll have things to work toward accomplishing them and completing them. And so uh, we'll also be learning in heaven, it seems. Again, uh, Brother Jesse saw the preachers and teachers that were preaching and teaching. And I do know this, that uh, it's Revelation 1-6 that says that we're going to come back and we're going to rule in the earth for a thousand years as kings and priests. And I would say that even though our spirit is perfect and our soul is perfect, we're going to be able to capture things well. Uh, I do think there's going to be some learning about what's going to happen. Uh, being in the army, what our place is, how things will work together. There will be important things to learn. Then also, don't forget about this in heaven, that because God created us for a relationship, right? He did create us for relationship. He created us for relationship, and then once he has a relationship with us, he wants fellowship with us, right? And so we also know that in the Bible, fellowship is super important. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when it talks about the people of God staying together, it's not only doctrine, it's not only praying, it's not only the breaking of bread, eating together, but it is in fellowship together. And so fellowship is important. It's important now. I believe it's going to be important in heaven. It's going to be important that we're growing and that we're having relationship with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and still the Holy Spirit who is in us. It's going to be important that we're maintaining and cultivating relationship and fellowship amongst our brothers and sisters. We're all going to be brothers and sisters in Christ and just one big family. And some of us that we didn't know in the earth, uh, we're going to have to get to know each other. And it's going to be wonderful because we're all going to love everybody. Praise God. Uh, but that's going to be actually a part of heaven. And so in some sense, in some way, uh, that goes on. I don't know, you know, if maybe you're allowed to have people and, and invite them over and into your dwelling. But I just want to say on the record right now that if, if we're allowed to do that, you're invited to my house anytime. You can come over and, you know, morning, noon, or night, I'll be happy to have you in my perfectly mansion of everything that I love. And it's just going to be a wonderful time. But I do want you to know that there's some, there's some things of just living life. We're created as humans, and our, our spirit is made perfect, and our soul is made perfect, and our body is now glorified, but, but we don't change out of a human status. And it seems like to me sometimes people get this idea that once we get to heaven, we're like different and we don't do the same. We don't become like angels who, who have a different purpose and something to do. We're still people. And really, in this earth, we know that right now we're preparing what? We're preparing for heaven. We're preparing, we're proving out things, we're working out our salvation, we're serving the Lord, we're doing our best to grow in Him. And then when we get in heaven, we're preparing for, 
coming back to the earth now in our, in our perfect state uh, to, to accomplish the will of God in the, in the thousand year millennial reign. And so we have to understand that we're still people. Praise God. And that never changes. Hallelujah. All right, number five. That was number four. Number five, another thing that will be going on in heaven, of course, is worship. So uh, turn with me over to Revelation 19 and hold your place there for a moment. I just want to talk about worship for just a little bit. Of course, there will be corporate worship and there will be individual worship. And uh, worship will uh, be a big part. It will be a big part of the heavenly life. But I just want to say it's not the only part. And it's not the only focus. And worship in heaven will not only be the times where we're in corporate worship together, gathered around the throne, you know, with probably some sort of sound and singing and all that kind of thing, which we can see from the scriptures. But it's just going to be a lifestyle. There will be many other things that we're doing, really, that are considered worship to God. Uh, but I want to, before you turn to Revelation 19, I just want to mention this in Revelation 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing tonight, but it is an account you can read uh, where you see a corporate time of worship uh, in heaven. In Revelation 5, 11, 14, it does talk about the elder, the angels that are around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And then it goes on to talk about the angels and it says 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels. We will be worshiping at times with that. Pastor Chaz put a put a pen and a paper to that one time trying to calculate out how many uh, angels that could possibly be. And he said he got, he got near the fact that it's at least a hundred billion. And so I have already heard the angels sing. And I want you to know when they sing, it's, it's not like earthly. It's like every fiber of your being just resonates and gets filled. And we will, listen, when we get to singing together, we're all going to be a perfect. Everybody's on pitch. Everybody, you know, all the harmonies are blending. The musicians are going to love it. The praise and worship leaders are going to, you know, they're not going to be having to say, you know, let's work on this part again. It's gonna, Amber, it's going to be perfect, girl. We're just going to ring it out. And it's just going to be the most wonderful sound. Hallelujah. But I just wanted to remind you that even today, right now, there are at least 100 billion angels. Hallelujah. That are part of this angelic host that is working with us. Uh, we all have our own angel that protects us, but we have angels that can be with us and help us at any time. And so I just want to remind you of that anytime something gets rough or anytime that you think that a devil might be after you or a little demon might be, you know, nipping at your heel, just go ahead and get one of the two or three or billion angels uh, to go ahead and help you and assist you. Hallelujah. But turn with me over Revelation 19. I want to talk about one. We'll just see this one example uh, of worship. Revelation 19 Verse 1, it says, After these things I heard a, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments because He has judged the great harlot who committed the earth with her fornication and He has avenged on her the blood of His servants 
uh, shed by her. Again, they say, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants and all those who fear Him, both great and small. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, Hallelujah, as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine and clean and bright linen. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we will be worshiping God and it will be glorious. And of course, because worship is a part of what we do in heaven, uh, just like learning the Word and the Word never passing away, important to learn in the earth, it is important in the earth now to learn to be a good worshiper to learn to worship the Lord with our life, with our actions, with our word, but also in the congregation, in your car, that at times we can worship the Lord. And not always just with a song that tells us what to sing, but sometimes just from our heart. Come on, digging down into that well of worship and letting it out. Come out the praises to our God. Come like making psalms and hymns and making a melody in our heart. Just letting the things of the Lord. This is how we practice, praise God. God. And I, I know this, that when we get in heaven and we get in that section, you know, I don't want to be in the back bringing up the rear because, you know, stick the people in the back so they can watch those in the front learn how to do it. I'm expecting all of Houston Faith Church, you know, like when we get up here. Praise the Lord. I expect worship time. We're running. We're running to the altar. Lord, here we are. And uh, praise God. We're, we're practicing well because I always say that we are a singing church and I love that. I mean, when we get in worship, you guys sing. And that's beautiful. Praise the Lord. But the Bible does tell us in John uh, chapter 4 that Jesus, uh, that the Lord is looking for something. Even today. And He is looking for worshipers. Those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Is this helping you? All right. So let's move on to number 6. Something that's happening uh, this is actually an event in heaven, and I mentioned it a moment ago, and it is the judgment of the saints. Hallelujah. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. So turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. I want everybody to get their eyes on this one, so make sure you either turn there or get ready to look up at the, <clears throat> up at the screen. So you can see it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 10. Talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Now before I start talking about this, I just want you to know that this is mentioned many, many times in the Scriptures. And so we give much weight. We give much weight to this subject. Uh, You know, it's it's because the Lord loves us that He gives us good instruction uh, so that that we know what is to come. Hallelujah. Because it's the Lord's intent that we be rewarded uh, accordingly. And He wants to reward us well. So let's read about this 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. It says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. So 
Well, that's number one. Just remember that we are endeavoring to live a life that's well-pleasing to the Lord. For we must all appear. So why is it? So you need to understand that. And this is why I stress this sometimes. That there, there is something about this earth life that's connected to the life thereafter. Okay? And it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body. That means while we were in the body means in the earth. Remember, to be in the body is to be in the earth. So things done in the earth according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Uh-oh. God, we just we would have liked that last part, whether good. But it does say good or bad, so we have to know that. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So every believer is going to be before the judgment seat of Christ. We're working to live well-pleasing. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15... It says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, straw, and hay, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Hallelujah. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as though through fire. Hallelujah. So what we're working to build upon is basically the foundation of Jesus Christ, the character of Jesus Christ, the word of Jesus Christ, the works of Jesus Christ is what we are endeavoring. But I just want to say again, good news is that no matter what, at this point, we have already made it to heaven. We're, we're being presented before God. We are going to be declared uh, and preserve blameless. So we're not talking about the suffering of loss will not include uh, not being saved or not having eternal life with God. So glory to God for that. So let's talk a little bit here tonight about the judgment seat of Christ and the rewards that we're going to get. Hallelujah. Are y'all ready? <laughs> okay. Uh, so turn with me over to Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. I just want to establish here through this uh, that all believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14, verses 10 through 12. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And so we see that all believers will be before the judgment seat. And then don't turn there, but you can mark this. In Revelation 14, 13, it even refers to those that are martyred uh, during the rapture and then taken up to heaven, even they. So this is something that before uh, the second advent, when we return, every believer, everyone that is in heaven will uh, stand before the Lord Jesus. Uh, then we do need to know that where does this take place? Of course, we're in heaven, but let me just show you that. Revelation 14, 13. Uh, you don't have to turn there. Let me just mention uh, what it says. It says, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead 
who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So our works follow us, our life, our life, our earth life, everybody, follows us to heaven. So this is what I'm saying. We don't, we don't get to heaven and instantly we're changed and our earth life just vanishes. And this is how I feel like people have, under, have thought at times. It's like everything changes, everything doesn't change. We change and that we're made perfect, spirit, soul, and body, but our earth life comes with us. And now we are judged, our works, our life, it is judged before the judgment seat of the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, of course, then we know again in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 24 through 25, it tells us in this earth that we are running a race, right? And we're running for a prize, and the prize is that in heaven we will receive the crown uh, for completing uh, the work of the Lord. And so we're excited about that. We're in heaven. Let's talk about now the basis uh, for what really is before the Lord at this judgment seat. Now remember, uh, this, Jesus has shed His blood, and so we have been paid for. There is no whipping post, praise God. There is no eternal punishment at this point, but our works will be judged, and the Bible says both good and bad. So let's look at this and how this works. I'm going to give you several scriptures in this area, again, because this is a weighty part uh, of what is going on, because this is what determines... Um, Basically, how we're rewarded, the gifts that we get, the things that we acquire in heaven that now remain with us, which are unforfeitable, which now we return back to the earth with, that help position us in uh, the thousand-year reign. There will be positionings. Um, and, of course, we're not going to be in competition with each other and any of that. Everybody's going to be in their perfect place. But I do need you to know that this is how these things are done is a base, basically according to what happens at the judgment seat. Is that clear? Okay, so let's turn over to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. So really what's happening in the judgment seat is this is where uh, the Lord deals with the believer. So He's dealing with believers as a servant. So in heaven, all of the earth life uh, will come before. And this is why we know that what happens in earth does matter. And so what's, what they're looking for here is eternal, spiritual things, work that produce or bore fruit. And so we'll see here that what begins now to be important is that we can see in the earth how we're living according to the kingdom of God now that goes up. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Okay? And so this again, I just, I feel to say this. Um, you know, one time years ago I had a word from the Lord and it was about, the word was that there were things that the Lord desired for, for the church but due to the casualness of our ways, we were, not, we were not positioned for them. And casual means just kind of indifferent. And so I'm always reminded, yes, yes, this is the assembly. Yes, we are family. Yes, we can be free. But also, there is a time where it's reverent to God. Not everything is casual and flippant and, I mean, God is here. God is with us. Even sometimes in the assembly, there seems there should be a moment 
where even clapping is, is reduced to something so natural, where it should be the weightiness and the holiness and the glory of God comes upon us and we are in such reverent awe that really we can't hardly do anything but maybe get on our face or drop to our knees. Or I've, I've been in that before in services where, where all I could do was drop to my face and weep before the Lord. Not, not, not weep of sorrow, but weep just in awe of this magnificent and great, and great God. And so these are still the days that, that we, we live in that. And that there are times we need to discern that and, and, and honor that. And even when we are dancing and rejoicing, hallelujah, we're still doing that from the reverent place of it's, of it's to our God. And it's to honor Him and to glorify Him and to magnify Him. Hallelujah. And so we are to serve God acceptably. And this tells me that if there's a way to serve Him acceptably, then there might be a way to serve Him not acceptably. And so in my opinion, what acceptably would be, would be means to do what He says. Uh, according to first His Word, His written Word, which never changed, it applies to us and all of us in every season, in every situation, in every circumstance, the Word of God is there for us to adhere to, to obey, hearken. And then also in following and being led by the Holy Spirit is a very important part of this life. And so we have to remember that when we're doing things, we're, we're, we're doing it for the Lord. And, and there's even scripture that says, actually, the scriptures in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, that there will be people that will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I seem to, I seem to think this might be going on today. Because prophecy is not to glorify yourself and call attention to yourself and draw all kinds of believers to you and get a big following. That is not what prophecy is for. And so the Bible says they will say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. Lord, Lord, I, I cast out demons in your name. And the Lord will say, depart from me, workers of iniquity. See, there's something about the motives here. That this is the things of the heart here. Uh, that, that, that the Lord, and there, there's no hiding those things, you know, as we know the Lord knows the heart. And so, so we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're serving God and, and, and acceptable, doing it to the best of our ability. That means being in His will. Don't turn there, but let me read this one to you, and, we'll, and then we'll turn to the next one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8 says, uh, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So there's another reckoning. Uh, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. So this is just talking about the judgment seat. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 through 25. And it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive glory to God, the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Hallelujah. And who who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. That means there is a, the Lord's going to be the same for everybody. It's the same judgment. It's the same standard. It's the Word of God. And so um, this, this, we've we got to be what we got to be here are God-pleasers and not men-pleasers. Or, or self-pleasers, or family-pleasers, or boss-pleasers, or friend-pleasers. Come on, we got to be to the utmost God-pleasers. God comes first. He has first priority. It's all about Him. Hallelujah. And in that, it's not about our way, our will, or our way, or our timing. 
Because I think many of people might lose their reward in the endurance part. Because we get, get impatient and we start trying to tell the Lord how we think and when we think. And, okay? So it's not about our will, our way, or our timing, but His. Hallelujah. Uh, turn with me over to Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then each of us, it says, shall give account of himself to God. So there is going to be an accounting of ourselves to the Lord. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Remember, I know we're going through these quickly, but these will be laid out for you on the, on the app where you can see it by the message. But Matthew 20, uh, 12, 36, Jesus speaking, He said, But I say to you that you will, that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. So the Bible says, you know, that in the multitude of many words, there's lacking no sin. So sometimes just talking too much. Our words will get judged. Of course, that next verse goes on to say that our words will justify us or condemn us. But I do want to remind you of this, praise the Lord, that repentant sin is forgiven. And uh, it's forgotten. And so it won't be brought up again. Hallelujah. And so uh, we need to watch our life and watch our words and repent quickly and get back on track and expect to do better. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 16 and 27. But I do want to remind you that in talking about this and what's coming before the Lord, I want to remind you that the goal is that the Lord is coming with reward. Hallelujah. And we are going to be rewarded, and so we want to make sure that we're taking what God gives us uh, that we're using it, that we're applying it, that we're doing well with it, so that we can get a good and well done. Praise the Lord. Uh, Matthew 12, uh, 16, 27, Jesus, it says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward each according to His work. Hallelujah. Don't turn there. Just let me say this one. Romans chapter 2, verse 6. Who will then render to each one according to his deeds... And so then again, this is talking about to the uh, righteous judgment of God. Each servant will be judged. Turn with me over to Psalm 62, 12. See many scriptures about this. I want you to know that the Lord doesn't have any problem talking about uh, the account and the reward that's coming. And so we need to be okay with that. We're not doing it for a reward. We're doing it because we love God. But we do need to know that there's a reward and there's okay. There, there's times I think to myself, this is not worth losing a reward. Because your rewards are eternal. Hallelujah. So we are in Revela- uh, Psalm 62, 12. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. Turn with me over to Revelation 22, 12. Verse 12 here says, Revelation twenty two twelve, 12, And behold, I am coming quickly. Remember that? Quickly, just in an instant. Nothing left to happen. Jesus can come tonight. He can come tomorrow morning. Glory to God. We're happy about that. I say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And he says, and my reward is with me. Isn't that interesting? 
That he just didn't say, I'm coming quickly. He wants us to know that the reward is with him. Listen, listen, church, we are going to be rewarded for this earth life. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but I know that there's sometimes a lot of suffering. Come on. There's a lot of putting up with stuff in this earth. Come on. But we are enduring. We are doing it. We are enduring. And we are winning. And we are going to get a reward. Glory to God. We are going to get a reward. Hallelujah. We're going to be in heaven. It's going to be glorious. Oh, and things. Woo. We're going to get graces and gifts and all kinds of wonderful. Woo. Come on. We are living for this day. Hallelujah. So are we, are, we are living to get that well done and get the reward. So for everything, we will be rewarded and there will be a reckoning. And I just want to say this, uh, since I'm not going over all the things that are happening in the earth, there will be a resurrection of the wicked at some point later on where all those who are in hell uh, will be resurrected to stand before uh, the great white throne judgment the great white throne judgment. And it will be, uh, they will be rewarded for all of their evil and cast eternally into the lake of fire. And so uh, we know that God is a just God. Hallelujah. And I love that, what is it? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says that he is not unjust to forget our labor of love in that we do minister to the saints of God. And so every time you're in the house of God and you're serving people, every time you're opening that door, every time you're checking kids in at the back, every time you're singing a song, every time you're ushering someone in, every, every time anything that's going on here, every time you're loving somebody, hugging a neck, offering to pray for them, praying at your house, everything that we do, the Lord sees that. And there's reward attached to that. Isn't that wonderful to know that these are not just things that we're doing that have no eternal value. Just, just in the moment, the instant of someone, just the instant of someone that comes to your heart, Joseph, just someone comes to your heart and you pray for them in that moment and you did that because you love them and you obey God, you get reward for that. Hallelujah. How that comes before you and the Lord says, well done. Glory to God. This is going to be such a glorious day. Hallelujah. Our works will be tried by the fire. Everything that, will be, everything that we do will be put in the holy fire and judged. Now the wood, the hay, and the straw will burn. We won't get reward for that. We will suffer loss for that. But the gold, the silver, and the precious stones remain. And so part of the judgment, I'm just going to tell you a few things that are included in the aspects of the judgment. Uh, there's not at like in detail like this says this is how this goes, but all throughout the church, uh, instructions all throughout the epistles and the letters that are written to the church. There's much instruction about how we are to be conducting life and the things that the Lord is looking at. You know, there's a scripture that says when he returns, he's looking for faith. faith. And will he find it? So, of course, our faith life is going to come up before the Lord. You know, did we live by faith? Did we, did we learn what faith was? Did we, did we grow our faith? Did we exercise our faith? Now, I don't know in this judgment seat if it's like, if it's like every event comes before the Lord or, or if there are subjects or if there are areas. I'm not sure how all that works. I, you know, it's not really said in the scriptures. But we just know this, that it's going to be uh, judged in some way. And so first, of course, we will be judged on our life of love because God is love and love is the royal law in the New Testament in the kingdom of God. And so how much we really loved God with our heart, soul, our mind and our strength, how well did we do that will come into play. Uh, how well did we not only love ourselves, we do have to love ourselves, 
Okay? That's part, of, that's part of it. You love your neighbor as yourself. So being able to see yourself properly in the love of God. How, how well did you love yourself? And if you've recognized that you have trouble loving yourself, you need to realize that that's outside of the way God wants it. And just get it fixed. Just let the Holy Ghost just, just get happy and get fixed. And just start to like yourself. Listen, none of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress. All right, but we have to love ourselves and, and see Jesus in us so that we can continue to get better and better and more and more like Him. Amen? And that is the goal. But also how we loved others is important. How we really loved others and not just lip service love others. I'm talking about God knows our heart. And how much did we really love others, serve others, look to others, care for others, prefer others? Uh, then we will have other things like uh, our character and our nature. You know, were we kind? Were we, were we forgiving? Were we honoring? Did, did we honor those that we were to honor uh, in our lives? I'm just throwing out some things, not everything, but those things will come into play. Attitudes. Did you, did you live with a, 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 an attitude of gratitude? Did you, did you live, learn to live with a life of thanksgiving? Or were you, are you always down grumbling and mumbling alley? The, those, those things will come up. Uh, things like taking responsibility for the Great Commission doing our part in being a soul winner, helping, helping disciple others, uh, taking our, our, our place in prayer. So many, so many things about prayer, praying always, our responsibility to pray, to pray for one another, to pray always without ceasing. Uh, did you take your uh, place in prayer? Did you steward a life in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit? Did you cultivate your life there? Those kind of things will come up. Um, you also, it seems uh, that we will be judged in these areas in regard to how much reward. And it seems that with some things, it's not like you get all or nothing. And so actually, Brother Dake, Phineas Dake, who, ha who wrote the Dake Bible, has a little thing in his, it's very interesting, where he did kind of like a little analysis of, of how it might be that it, something comes up and then you're judged this way and that way and then 38% and then of it you ended up getting a reward for and 62% of it burned right out. And so, you know, it's possible that that's the way that this works. So I don't want you to know it's always an all or nothing. So if you're in a something, like here's a good example. If you're in a project and you've been, been in a project for a couple of weeks and you realize that you've had a really bad stinking attitude and that you really all of a sudden you realize I'm really not getting much reward for this. Okay, just go ahead and turn it around right there. If you go ahead and turn it around right there, then, then you might have lost a bunch of reward for that first part, but you can still gain some in the back side. Don't just throw your hands up and say, well, it's over, and I, so let me just go ahead and blow it real good. No. No need, no need to continue blowing it. Just go ahead and get on the right path. Turn it around. Glory to God, and uh, you know God can redeem it, and you can get some glory out of it. Praise the Lord. So it does look like we... I'm going to give you these scriptures, but I'm not going to read them. Oh, I did want to read this one, though. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Let's read that. I love that. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, who, having not seen your love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we will see that our faith will be uh, judged in some manner. Okay, so from these scriptures, let me make these comments. Um, 
I'm going to give you all these scriptures. I'm just going to quote them off. And then I'm going to talk a couple of things about uh, how that falls out. But James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 and verse 12. Romans chapter 2 verses 14 through 16. Romans chapter 14. Matthew chapter 18. Colossians chapter 3. Romans chapter 1. And Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 13, and Romans chapter 14, 1 through 23. All of those things you can see in there, different things that we're instructed about, about things like doctrines. We will be judged on our doctrines. What doctrines are we reading? What doctrines are we believing? What doctrines are we living by? You know, in Hebrews it says that there are six basic doctrines of Christ. One being the laying on of hands. You know, in the Bible, did you, in the days in your earth life, did you believe in the laying on of hands? Did you value the laying on of hands? All those kind of things. Did, how did you feel about tongues? You know, and I know I'm talking to the choir here, but, but literally, that, that's something because it's in the Bible and the Lord is so specific about it, you'll be judged on what did you do? What did you do with the command of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 verse 4? You know, were you resistant? Uh, did, you, did you receive that and, and make use of that? Things like that. Then it also seems that we will be judged, of course, on our conduct to others, how we treat people. Uh, do we treat them uh, properly? Uh, do we reflect the fruits of the Spirit toward them? All those kind of things. Then we also see that carnal traits will be judged. You know, do, are you found with gossip? Uh, or are you one that causes strife? Are you one that tends to be in the lazy category? Um, things like those kind of things will all... And there's list upon list, I'm sure, list upon... But I didn't want to go on the list upon list upon list because I'm just trying to remind you here tonight that we are going to be rewarded, hallelujah. We are going to be rewarded for this earth life. And I just, I love that. I love that, that the God that we serve is so just to do that. Everybody turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 25. Now this is a parable here. It's the parable of the talents. And then Jesus is talking here. And I want to talk uh, about this briefly in relation here to the judgment seat of Christ. And just help us make sure that we've got this all uh, in proper perspective here. Everybody's okay? Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 through 30. That's what I'm going to read. So bear with me here. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivers his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each one according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went, and he traded with them, and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had five talents came and brought his other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22. 
And he also, who had received uh, two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, Then who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. Those, those that see the work of the kingdom as difficult. And I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back at my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, now I want to talk about this for just a moment in relation to the believer. Now I believe that there are a lot of people that believe because this ends with the servant being cast into outer darkness, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, that it pertains only to talking about someone that is saved, someone that does not receive the kingdom. Uh, but I think I'm going to be able to show you that I don't think it pertains only to that. This is one of those scriptures where probably like I mentioned on, was it Sunday or was it last Wednesday, I guess, when I talked about the parable of the virgins last Wednesday. And I talked about sometimes scriptures can have multiple meanings. It can have multiple ways in which it applies. So let me take this scripture and refer it to you in relation to the judgment seat of Christ. Are you ready? Verse 14, of course there was a man. So if you want to go, if you want to, Look at this as I call out the scripture. But the man refers to Jesus. The far country is, of course, that Jesus uh, returns back to heaven. And then his own servants here would be, of course, us, the believers. Now notice in 14 that he delivered the goods. Hallelujah. Come on, church. We have been given his kingdom. The Lord Jesus has given us the kingdom of God. He has not given it impartiality. He has not held back. He has not reserved something. The Bible said it is His pleasure to give us the kingdom. He's put the kingdom in our hands. He has entrusted us with the kingdom. Just as when Jesus came, He brought the kingdom. And Jesus had within Him and upon Him everything that was needed to, to operate the kingdom, uh, to to make the kingdom represent God and do everything, all of the miracles, the signs, the wonderfuls, uh, the, the healings, the casting out of the devil. Jesus had that within him and upon him from God because God had entrusted to him the kingdom. And I want you to know tonight that God has entrusted us, he has entrusted you with the kingdom of God. We all have a part, a place, and we have the same spirit does that not excite? We have the same spirit. We have the same ability. We have the same grace that Jesus had upon him to operate the kingdom in the earth with glory and power. We have that right now. 
And so he has entrusted to us this kingdom. And we need to take ownership. And so in verse 16 here, uh, it's talking about, it says, the Lord gave to one five talents and one two talents and one another talent. And he said, according to their own ability. And this is where we have to realize that it's the Lord that decides. We got to be okay with that because the Lord decides it according to our ability, according to our placement. He would never put more than what we can handle. He, he, that would be unjust of him. But we have to be okay and not try to be something we're not. Not trying to do something we're not supposed to do. And this is why I think the church struggles so many times. is because everybody's looking around. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to be. No, just do your thing. If, it, if we will all just be God in us and do what God has given us, it will all work perfectly. It will all come together like a well-oiled machine. And then Jesus can come back and we can get out of here and start living in the reward. Hallelujah. Uh, verse 19 does say that Jesus is coming back to settle up. And by the way, when Jesus was given the one talent and the two talent, and the, okay, the, the guy that got the two talent didn't look over and say, well, he got one. I mean, he got five. Why, why don't I, can I have five? Can I have five? <laughs> Listen, we are not beggars in the kingdom. Listen, if, if we are the lowest of the lowest in the kingdom, we are still reigning high in glory and power. Verse 19 says that Jesus is coming back to settle up. Of course, that refers to the judgment seat. To settle up with reward. Say it, with reward. Come on, he's coming with a reward. Come on, he's coming with a reward. Glory to God. Verse 21 tells us, that we are to be faithful in all things that he gives us to do. We have to be faithful in the little and we have to be faithful in the much. And listen, this is preparation time. And this is proving out time. And really the kingdom does not work like corporate America. Amen. Where you try to put your resume on something and, and hope that you're, they think that you're good enough to do it and then you get in there and try to do it. In the kingdom, it's about proving out. And the Lord really doesn't promote until you prove out. If you're not faithful in another man's field, he's not going to give you your own field. If you can't be faithful in the small things, you're not going to get promoted to the, to the big things. And so the grandiose, thinking all my life, these grandiose things, really it's about doing the thing that are in front of you every single day, being consistent, steady. He's looking for faith and he's looking for faithful people. And in looking for that, would he choose you? That's the question. Would he choose us? We want him to choose us to be found faithful. Everything that the Lord tells us to do matters, is important. And that's why we can't compare and look around and think that, that, that it's insignificant. It's insignificant if, if I'm assigned to clean the bathroom. If you're assigned by God to clean the bathroom, to God, you cleaning that bathroom gets the same reward. Did you know that the two-talent guy, what did it say? It said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in the little, I will give you much. He got an enter into the joy of the Lord. He got the same reward. We don't know how that pans out, but... We got to understand, everything counts. Everything counts. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so we see that the, the guy that got the five talents took what he was given and he worked it. He produced something with it. The guy that got the two talents, he took it, he worked it, he produced something. He produced something of value with it. 
We've all been given so much. We, I mean, just if we look at the... We've been given the name of Jesus. What can we do with the name of Jesus? We've been given the Holy Spirit. What can we do with a life empowered by the Holy Spirit within us? Wow. Takes us right out of, of common and puts us into a very uncommon category. Takes us out of the natural and puts us super on it for life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But in verse 25, we see talking about the guy with the one talent that number one, fear, he had fear and fear created a problem for him. We can't be in fear. We can't have fear of any sort. If you got fear, you need to identify it. Stop playing around with it. Kick it out. Get it, get it gone. I mean, make it your assault is that I'm, I'm getting all fear out because it will rob you. Verse in, notice in verse 26 where he was called uh, wicked and lazy that this means that not taking ownership of the kingdom, not taking ownership and working to produce something that is of value, something that's fruitful for the kingdom, is considered to be wicked and lazy in the eyes of the Lord. And so we don't want to have gifts and talents. We don't want to have assignments that we don't complete because of something. Because now we're, we're, it, it seems that we might be entering into the, into the wicked and the lazy category. Notice in verse 28 that the talent of the unfaithful was given to the, to the guy who had ten talents now. So part of the reward of the faithful <laughs> is getting what the unfaithful <laughs> doesn't take possession of. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I won't have any qualms about taking whatever someone else won't use. If God will give it to me and I can produce something from it, I'll be happy to take it, Lord. And that's the attitude that we have to have. Hallelujah. This is not socialist kingdom. Everybody just be equal. Don't, doesn't matter what you do. Just the Lord's going to give everybody a little thing. We're all going to be... No, no, no. This is like use what you get. Hallelujah. Come on, use what you get. <clears throat> now in verse 30... <clears throat> I want to talk about this for just a moment because this whole thing has been lining out. You can see all the parallels of talking about a servant in a kingdom and how this would connect to the judgment seat of Christ. And so I want to, I want to read to you. This just makes total sense to me. And I've even been able to take this and apply it in some of the other scriptures that use this terminology because it's always confused me um, how there seems to be something that so relates to a believer and how we can apply that and how we can apply it in the end day and, and when we're in heaven and when we're coming back. But then it'll throw in a term that we've always thought only referred to those that were cast into hell. But look what my Bible commentary said. It says the reward of the faithful servant here is contrasted to the judgment of the inactive and the lazy servant in view of the day of reckoning when the discharge of one's responsibilities is required. And it's not referring to a loss of justification or a loss of the soul or a loss of going to hell because we already know, remember that the, the Word had told us that even though there, we might suffer loss, that our soul would always be saved. But it says, but it's rather the forfeiting of a reward for a committed service into the kingdom. So what was lost here was they forfeited the reward and what they lost was the joy. They did not get the joy and instead they got remorse. And to them, to a believer, and this is how it will feel on the day of reckoning. When we stand before the Lord, when we suffer loss, we will, we will sense that. 
I know there's not going to be any, any tears in heaven, but we will sense the loss of missed opportunities and things that we didn't quite grasp the fullness of. And in that moment, there will be a sorrow for a moment. And so what this scripture is saying was that in that moment, that servant recognized that they did not enter in now to the joy for this, but now they were left in the place without anything. And remorse came. And then, of course, verse 29 would tell us that this is a key for more. If you want more, the Lord's word to us last year, there is more. I always tell people this, the reward for faithfulness is more. Be faithful, be faithful, be so extremely faithful. Be faithful to honor what you tell the Lord, honor your words, what you tell other people. You can't say one thing, one thing and decide three months later that, that, that you didn't mean that. The Bible says you swear to your own hurt. Now, I don't know why the church has forgotten that. But sometimes you've got, you got to make good on what you say. And sometimes when you make a commitment to the Lord, you need to make good on that. Hallelujah. So this is telling us how, how you know, we are accountable to the Lord, but we're only accountable with what He gives us. Nothing less and nothing more. So we shouldn't be feeling pressure or stress because when we're doing it with the Lord... We always can find the grace of God. We have to do it from the place in God. We have to do it from the Spirit of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Knowing who we are in the Lord. Uh, being confident. Being uh, stable. Anchored. Not, not moved by things. Doing it in the joy of the Lord. Serving Him with gladness. All the days of our life. This earth life is not hard. We're doing it with God. What it would be like to be without God would be hard. But we're doing it with the Lord. Hallelujah. And so we do it with the attitude that we know it's worth it. Come on, it's worth it. Every sacrifice we make, it's worth it. Come on, every difficulty, every challenge we overcome, it's worth it. Come on, every time we use our faith, it's worth it. Come on, every time we stand in our place in the body of Christ and we be who God has called us to be, no matter what, it's worth it. Hallelujah. God is the master of this all and He is perfect and He never makes a mistake. And so He created each and every one of us in His own image with our own uh, abilities, each one of us unique, never the same. There's never been another you. There will never be another you. But he, he placed us all together to make it work perfectly. And we need to not challenge the master or challenge his great design. We just need to take ownership of it. Be happy with it. Say, I'm going to run with it. I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to make it count. It doesn't matter whether I'm here 40 years or 60 years or 100 years or 120 years, but we can do it. We can do it in strength. We can do it in glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are all valuable to the kingdom. Praise the Lord. You know, just God has to, he has to make us distinct and he has to make us different. Some he makes leaders, some he makes not. We can't have all leaders and, no, and none that follow. But we can't have all followers and, and none that can lead. And so we have, to, we have to understand how this works together and be able to honor and prefer and be able to work together and know that we all have a great place. But we got to make it count. Hallelujah. It's time to make it count. Glory to God. I mean, it's time to, it's time to get things, you know, on our own little measuring scale. And don't measure it always from the hard part and the, and, the, and the challenging part. I know that we can always do better, but sometimes you need to be able to see the good. You need to be able to see when you've hit it. 
You need to be able to see when you've done something. You need to be able to tell yourself, well done. Not from a prideful place, but knowing that the Lord told you to do something, and I have done it. I, I have finished it. I have, I have done it to the best of my ability. Hallelujah. Because we have been entrusted. I keep that word. It's just like, like entrusted. God has entrusted us. He has entrusted us. I actually heard that word Sunday. That God has entrusted us. He's entrusted us with his reputation. Did you know that what people think about God will depend much upon you? Some of you, the, the, the Bible says we're a living epistle. We're a living letter. Some, some of the, the only God that people see are the God that they read through your life. He has entrusted us with this kingdom. Reggie, he has entrusted us. With the, he has entrusted us yes, yes, with this kingdom, with a glorious, <laughs> with a kingdom. He's entrusted us. He's made a place. Hallelujah. And great is the reward. Great is the reward. Great is the reward. Great is the reward, brother. Great is the reward. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Bible, <coughs> the Bible says that, <coughs> that when they had completed that <coughs> and when they were getting their reward, they, they were just able to enter into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.